Hi, you entrepreneurs. Today we have Jeannie Irish. She is a realtor in San Diego, um, a close friend of mine. She has a, a, a background of being actually an assistant and kind of working away from the assistant mindset to actually being a realtor. A lot of growth has happened with her where she was an agent, where she's focused on herself, and now she has a kid to, to support. Um, if anyone's thinking about making that change or looking to get into real estate, please listen, please subscribe, and of course, tell your friends. Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. All right, so we are here with Jeannie Irish, Realtor, uh, Compass Realtor in San Diego, right? With the hyper focus in South Bay or I know you focus, you mean do all over, but you have a knowledge base of South Bay and, and San Diego that's kind of unmatched by a lot of realtors. Yeah, well, good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, South Bay is definitely my bread and butter, uh, naturally, because one, I live there, and two, I grew up there. So naturally, South Bay just kind of comes to me as second nature. So we've known each other for, for a good amount of time. Um, and I think over that time, a lot has changed. Like when you got into the business, um, or actually when I, when I first got to know you, you didn't have a, a, a child at that time. Yeah, I was just living it up, working 20 hours out of the 24 hours a day on my laptop, every, hustling every weekend. Um, so my son is two and a half years old, and I started in the business as a solo agent, kind of hit the ground running at, on, in 2013. So that is what now, six years. So yeah, the first four years, I kind of just worked like a, a mad woman and now I work double time because now I'm a mom. So how has that changed? Because I think there's a, a, it can be a perception out there that 24 seven, you're working real estate. <laughs> and now that you have, and I would assume one of the most important people in your life, your child now, that takes almost center stage in most cases. So how do you protect yourself from work and family life? It's impossible. One always is um, taking precedent over the other. And I think it's a double edge, it's a double standard for a woman and a producing woman. And I remember before I had the baby, when we would go to the top 10 KW lunches, there was no moms. And still, there's not many moms. Um, it's always, there's women, but they're not moms. And, it, and not to sound, um, condescending because definitely moms can do it but you're always sacrificing something and I find who takes the biggest hit is myself um I've put myself third and then my family fourth so my husband's fourth but it's usually work kid me husband um and it's and it's hard to say that but during work hours um I'm, I'm just working all the time and even on weekends, but it affords me a different type of luxury because I'm, you know, I'm not just dropping them off at 7 a.m. and then home at 5. It, it's sometimes I have longer mornings and I watch some TV with him and we have breakfast and then I drop him off um, on the weekends. I'm able to kind of schedule around and this year I started to take one weekend day off um, during the summer. That didn't exist, but um, now that we're kind of back to some normality in the market, I am just trying to work either open house Sunday 
or showings on Saturday um, and trying to just spend more time. But it, it dramatically changes. And when I got pregnant, I actually hid that I was pregnant um, for about six months because of the misconception that, oh, well, now your attention and your desire for, um, your desires for success and my natural competitive nature was gonna change because of a child. And if anything, it's made me more aggressive. Um, well, cause one, kids are expensive as hell. Um, but two, I want, I want more. So, you know, it's, it's weird, weird, um, dynamic. It's totally changed my outlook, my level of acceptance of BS, <laughs> uh, for those around me. And, has made me really focus on things that matter the most. You said that, um, or you didn't say it precisely, but you said the idea that having a child can be received as, I guess, as a negative. I mean, the one thing that I, I for myself, I've realized that you look at one thing, it can be perceived as a negative, it can be received as a positive based off the light. Like I tell people on my team all the time, especially the females, that when they're door knocking or calling, people are gonna talk to them but are they really looking for business? Sometimes they're just looking for something else, right? Mm-hmm. But they get the conversation a little bit easier, right? Right. For a man, it might be the case, right? For, for me, I'm not the smallest guy. When I go to a door, they might not open the door for me right. compared to, but I'll at least know if they talk to me, they might have a reason. Yeah. I think the same thing when you see with, with people that are in very good shape, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They, they have their Instagram, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and they get conversations, yep. yet what are they looking for? Yep. When someone has a dog or a child, yep. conversations. So it, it, it seems like, that probably is a negative, but there might be, like I, we talked about it before, that in your birthing class, you said? or breathing, Birthing class. Birthing class. You can tell that I don't have any children right now, guys. So <laughs> Not that, yet. That, um, that you met a, a client there, right? Um, actually, I've met a client through birthing class who we became great friends, and I've met the videographer I just hired for our video okay, through birthing right. class. Um, before I had the baby, I was, you know, <clears throat> I would tell moms that I knew um, like you got to milk it and not in a negative way, but it's just one more sphere that you can surround yourself with. Um, moms at the park, moms for coffee, you know, people want to relate to you. And I think that is our obsession with voyeurism. That is our obsession with the Kardashians, our obsession with million dollar listing is people want to be relatable. So I found that being a mom helps me relate to a different sphere. Um, but then there's also the, the, the other side of some moms, um, may not relate because I do work so much and I do um, sometimes choose my career over, you know, the the momhood or wifehood, I guess. Um, so, it, you know, it's a double-edged sword, but it's really opened up some new doors um, just because it's it makes you vulnerable. It makes you human. And people want to know that you're just not this success story in heels. They want to know, like, yeah, you've been puked on. Yeah, you've had to, you know, be up all night. And yeah, sometimes you have to cancel appointments because your kid is sick. Um, you know, it, it, I, Catherine's been with me where I have to leave to an appointment and Bill is like screaming at the door just because he doesn't want me to leave. And it's like, what do I do? So it's a constant fight, um, but it, it's the best journey I've ever been on. It's completely changed me. So, so talking about your journey, can you walk us through your journey before, before real estate, what got you into the field? Uh, sure. Um, yeah, probably people don't know much about that. Um, so when I was 20, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and 
I left school, college, um, so I'm actually a college dropout. Uh, I left college and I was working at the Home Depot uh, at that time and I quit both to become his hospice nurse. Mm. So for six months I took care of my dad until he passed away. And in January of 2003, um, <clears throat> my cousin said, hey, my friend is looking for uh, a part-time assistant in Coronado. So I was hired to work for these two realtors at Coldwell Banker in Coronado. And that's kind of how it started. And it was very much an assistant, like not at the level that Catherine assists me, but it was like, um, can you go get a turkey sandwich and uh, ask if they have ride today? You know, and at that time, it kind of was like, all right, whatever. Um, but I felt like I wasn't being maximized for my brain power. And I had to learn how to use a typewriter in 2003 because they refused to let me type it on Word. I had to type out faxes. Um, so it was interesting to start real estate when we had carbon copy offers and we'd had to use uh, Thomas Brother maps. It's a totally different world than it is today. Do you think there could have been something different if your, your boss in that time would have gave you more leeway, gave you something that would have kept you in the assistant role? Or do you think you well, were always destined for it? <clears throat> um, well, lucky, luckily enough, I was in a transaction at that time um, about six months in. I was in a transaction with this agent downtown. So I was, we were representing the buyer and I had to call the selling agent's broker, like this 20 year old gets on the phone. And uh, he's like, what? He's not returning disclosures. I'm like, we're about 10 days from closing. We haven't had disclosures. We just got HOA docs. This guy is freaking sucks. Mm. He's like, what are you doing on Wednesday? We, he needs you. So I go to interview for this assistant role for this agent that I had been like yelling at to get me disclosures. And he was in the process, I think he had like 80 transactions that year. <clears throat> this is 2003. No assistant, no organization, but just a stellar agent. So I lied. And at that time I was making 10 bucks an hour under the table. And I said I was making 15 bucks an hour under the table. So they hired me at 17 bucks an hour. Um, and when you're 20 or 21, I may have been 21 at that time, um, it was a lot of money. But the catch was I had to drive from IB to Forest Ranch every day. So I did that for six years. And yeah. I stayed with Tim, Tim Scoglin. Um, I stayed with him for a long time, um, on and off. And uh, it really shaped everything. I, I mean, we both were kind of growing at that same time. We're 10 years apart. Um, and so he was 31, newly married, uh, on his second house. <clears throat> and we used to work in a little office that was basically a den where our the back of our chairs would hit. So, you know, it, we had like one phone and it was just madness. But it was, you know, I, I got thrown into 40 transactions and I was then also his TC. And I just kind of did everything from the ground up. And as the business changed and, hey, I guess there's this IDX thing. And I remember Tim saying, the day we put, the day we give access to people to look at listings without us, we're going to lose it. And it was like, a, like we were the last agent I knew to like allow for IDX on his site. He's like, no, I want people to call me. I was like, come on, then no one's going to search on your site. You know, uh, so it was a, a, the evolution of, you know, truly a Zillow and all of that to kind of start Realtor.com. And um, it was a really interesting time. And then from, from the market started to kind of decrease. Uh, and I had gone, I had already been married and divorced right after my dad died to my first husband. And so I was going through what I call the mid-20s crisis, and I moved to San Francisco to 
manage an office. Again, I lied my way through an interview and I said I had been managing like a large office in San Diego and I had managed two part-time agents and Tim. So then I went to go manage an office of 80 agents at a loft company in San Francisco right before the market kind of really tanked. Um, so that was interesting. It was, it was a completely different journey. Um, so when people talk about days on market and now we're at what, 30 days on market compared to you take a year listing or six month listing and now you're negotiating the seller to pay for your marketing at, you know, marketing budget because you know you're going to sit on this listing for six months. It's, it's just a different market. So when people complain, like, I didn't sell the first weekend, I was like, yeah, welcome to normal market time. Uh, so all that kind of shaped me. And so when people say, oh, you, you were successful right off the bat, all of these instances, all of this growth um, completely developed my business side. And because my personal life was awful, my dad had just died. I had an awful first marriage. I became depressed. Um, I gained, eight, I think it was about 85 pounds my f in, with my first husband. Of, I was basically depressed. So work was my safe hold. Um, my brother was incarcerated during that time. My mom got sick. It was just whatever could happen to a 20-year-old happened to me in five years all at once. So work was where I excelled and I would house it for him. I would do anything just to kind of really focus on something else other than all the shit that was happening around me. And sorry, I keep cussing. No, you're probably um, fine. So what, what allowed you to get to the next level? Cause you're going through all this pain, all this sorrow and works your driving force. What, what was the next step in your, your journey? Um, just success. I, I wanted to do something, um, bigger and better. I never thought I would be a realtor, even being an assistant for so long. I, I kind of just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to work for someone else. Um, so when I was in the Bay, uh, that's right, my, my husband, and it was kind of like, I called Tim, my old boss, and I said, I need to either plant seeds here or I need to come home or move to London. And so then um, I came home and I started my own business and I basically was just like, I can't work for someone else. and became licensed and started on my own. Um, so you moved back to San Diego knowing that you'd be uh, going your own? Yeah. So that was really hard. Um, and I think we've, we've talked about, you know, struggles and I, I had no savings. Um, we were living at my mom's house and then we were renting a little house in City Heights. And it, our rent was $1,100, which is nothing. Um, but my husband basically had to pay our rent with his savings for the probably first six months to a year um, before I could even afford anything. And, you know, you have to pay like realtor dues and keep your sentry card on and pay for gas. I remember one time I had to go to a showing and I didn't have gas in my car and having to use, um, a credit card. And then that gas station, you know, a lot of gas stations don't take credit cards. They only take debit cards. So then I had to go find this gas station with a credit card. And I remember thinking like, one, I had my mom's voice in my head, like you should always carry cash. But two, like, how could I be this broke and I'm selling houses? You know, I'm such a fraud. Um, but basically, fake it till you make it. I'm still kind of faking it, but I'm kind of making it at the same time. So in the real estate field, I mean, when you, when you kind of went on this journey, was there ever a moment where you, did, where you were thinking about, let me jump back to those? Because you were assistant for well, like 10 years, mm -hmm. like that. So did you ever think about jumping back to being an assistant? Um, all the time. <laughs> I think about it every day. No, I'm kidding. Um, for a while, I kept both. So 
Tim took me back for a hot second um, when I moved back to San Diego while I was getting licensed, and then I made the jump. But I was still doing marketing for other agents, even though at that time I was already at KW and I had already sold 18 homes. My first year I was still doing side gigs. I am very um, going to back, back, back story, not from real estate, but my mom is a housekeeper. And so um, in Coronado and growing up in IB, Coronado is like your wealthy cousin, basically. Um, All the kids would come to our parties and you knew that they had, you know, access to whatever the best liquor, not boons, but they had all the good stuff. It's just your wealthy cousin that shows it, you know, in your face all the time. So when I was a kid, I would go with my mom on on summers to help her clean houses. So I always knew I wanted to be wealthy. Like I wanted everything that those women and those kids had. Um, So I always knew I would figure out a way to make money. Not, I definitely not Coronado money, but um, just to be okay and to buy what I wanted because I grew up with not much. Um, So what was I saying? So I always had that side hustle, going back to that. So I would, you know, sometimes my mom, up until about three years ago, my mom would be like, oh, I have this job, but I, they offered me this other job for cleaning, and I just don't have time. And be like, hey, well, if, you're gonna, if it's going to make you keep your job, I'll go clean this house for you. And I was already making six figures as a realtor. But it was more of, I don't want you to lose your hustle because of this other hustle. Let me go help you hustle, mm-hmm. basically. So that is the biggest lesson I think um, my mom has ever taught me. And I think if, as an agent or as a self-employed person, if you don't have that... I need need to keep working regardless. And I saw it a lot in San Francisco where an agent would sell a $2 million loft and they're like, oh, now I'm going to Bali for four weeks. Like, you're basically unemployed again. Mm -hmm. So why are you going to go do something to keep you unemployed for six months after you come back? You know, as an office manager, I would constantly have these new agent conversations. Like, you can't stop. Like, ride this wave as long as you can. You got to keep working. So that is always my thing is it's so hard for me to detach because real estate is really, um, it's my passion and it's kind of what keeps me sane. You know, it's like wildly crazy, but it, it's like the only thing that keeps me sane. Yeah, I think that's one of the, one of the things I, I noticed in the field too is when, when a newer agent comes talking to me and saying, I just sold this deal, I'm gonna spend all this money on X, Y, and Z. And you're like, oh, man, are they really gonna make it in the industry? Yeah, I mean, I drove my Mazda, <laughs> uh, my Mazda 6 up until two years ago. And I went on a listing appointment, um, I don't know, about my second, third year in, and I roll up, and I had this Mazda, has like a really crazy loud fan, and the guy inside was like, is that your car out there? I was like, yeah. I mean, I looked at your numbers, why are you driving a Mazda? I was like, I don't know, I'm working on buying a house? I've just never been car obsessed, you know, and I've given you a hard time about your Toyota, um, right? You still drive a Prius? Yes. Okay. I get made fun of all the time. I know. You know but what? Y- it's. Uh, y- I, I look at the thing is, I know nothing about cars. Yeah. Like if they, if someone, if I went to a mechanic and they made up a word, I'd be like, well, that that probably makes sense. <laughs> that probably makes sense. You, know, I'd call my uncle and just ask him about cars every once in a while. For for me, it's just like I don't have that fascination with cars. Yeah. Like if you ask me something about a house. You know what I mean? I'll know that, right? right. But like, it, but when it comes to a car, <sighs> clueless. Absolutely. And so I, I Googled what, what was the the safest, what was basically the easiest, what was, and so I just went with it. Yeah. And, and that, you get that new agent, you know, um, I remember one of my cousins was dating a realtor 
And um, she's like, oh, he's so successful. And I'm like, does he drive a black BMW? She's like, how do you know? It's like, meh, basic. Like, that's the, the, you know, welcome to real estate car. Um, you know, and it's, and it's perception. And so I got rid of my Mazda. Actually, I bought my first house. And then I bought, got rid of my Mazda. And I just, I mean, I still have like a five-year-old car. Because I just, it hurts my soul to think of like, oh my God, that car is 70000 like That's a down payment. You know, I should be buying an apartment complex now. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, but I'm also the girl who wears like a fake Gucci belt. belt. Um, so I think that has my lack of um, buying expensive things has helped me. So agents, I think definitely need to realize you have to live within your means because it comes and goes. I mean, I haven't closed a deal in what, like four weeks probably. I went from, I went to Mexico two weeks ago. The week I went to Mexico, I went from five pending sales to zero. Everything fell apart for various reasons. So that is, let's, let's just average it out to 50 grand. So a $50,000 December to a, a $0 December. I'm back on three of those escrows, but um, if I was living month to month, that would be very difficult. So I think that's like the biggest, the biggest learning curve for agents is you can't walk away and just think you've made it because you've closed two deals in a month. Like that comes and goes every month. Oh, well, we, and we all have our own financial thermostat. I mean, some people are happy with doing 10 deals a year or something like that. Some people are happy with doing 20. Some people have 30. Some people have 100, like whatever that number is. But we all have our, our financial thermostat, our thresholds. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I mean, if you can survive and you're you're content with how you're doing it, like, you're, yeah, I mean, if you can do, t- I mean, if there was a a way to live off ten transactions a year, hmm. I mean, I, I part of me says like, hell yeah, sign me up. But the other part of me says, no way, Jose. Th- there was there's a, a guy, it might be a wise tale. I don't know now. I, I say all the time, <laughs> the guy lives in like I think he lives in Thailand or something like that. But all he does, he does referrals. Mm-hmm. So he just connects with his database. He lives out there. He does referrals, gets his referral check. And that's his life. So he's content with living out there, doing that. I'm like, you know, if, if he found a way to, to, to make it worthwhile, all power to him. I think it's, it, can be, it can be difficult, mm-hmm. I mean, especially for people, people listening, people out there that are looking for a realtor. When they're talking to people, and this person's been in the business for, for 20 years, 15 years, but they're only doing two deals a year. I mean, it's hard to stay up to date on what's going on in the industry if you're only doing one or two deals a year. Because imagine if you, if your last deal, you said it was only four weeks ago, mm-hmm. but what if it was like eight months ago? Mm-hmm. That's a totally different market than Absolutely. we're in today. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like, I, it, especially in South Bay, everyone's got a cousin who's got a license. You know, yeah. oh, my primo has a license. Um, or he's a Border Patrol agent slash realtor. You know, you can't do everything successfully. Um, so I think that is one thing to always, you know, evaluate when you're realtor. Unfortunately, that's why the top, you know, 20% of us do 80% of the transactions is because people want to trust their life savings to somebody that is in the know for the most part. Um, and for those who want to give it to your cousin who does it part-time, there's a lot of risks involved with that, you know? So walk me through, uh, and I, I think we've kind of already went over it, the, the idea of what pushes you through through all the struggles is being that wealthy person that you saw when you're helping your mom clean in Coronado, be, kind of going towards that pleasure idea, right? 
And now I guess your your child, but before it was kind of going towards that that person you wanted to be. Yeah, like. I mean, <clears throat> pleasure is definitely you know, um, you know, I've had an assistant in the past who wasn't driven by money. So I thought if I threw more money at her, she would work harder, and that wasn't the case because not everyone is driven. I'm definitely um, money driven, but only because because money can afford me certain things that being broke can't. One of those things is is nonprofit. Um, in the world of not like an organization, but I constantly give money away and I need more of it. And so if someone's listening right now and looking yeah. to get, uh, get money from you, how would this <laughs> um, ask any teacher <laughs> how they know me. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's my mom has been a driving force of how to live a moral life. When I was a kid, um, we didn't have Operation Gatekeeper, which was, um, you know, crucial to a border town. Um, so we had illegal aliens running through our backyard all the time. And my mom would make burritos, wrap them up, hand them, you know, or a sweater. Or I had cousins. We were like the first stop. So as soon as someone got like papers to cross the border in our family, we were like their first stop because they were an IB until they figured out if they're moving to L.A. or Texas or whatever. So that showing that sacrifice of we have a small house but you can sleep on our couch for six months my daughter will give you her barbies we'll give you this well whatever it is i knew it cost my mom a lot to do that i want to be able to do that but i also want to do it at a larger scale um so money keeps me motivated not because i want finer things in life as as we talked about i'm cool driving an older car and wearing a fake belt it's more of what this money allows me to do. Um, and I hate saying no, um, you know, whether it's t-ball teams or whatever. And, and it's not because I get necessarily business out of it. I'm awful at making time to go pick up my trophy from whatever donor of the year stuff. It's more about if it helps somebody in my community where I live in, I want to do it. And I hate having to think about it or like, well, let me look at my monthly uh, ledger book. I want to just be like, yep, what do you need? So Makes sense. that's a huge kind of driving force. What's, so what's next for you? What's next for, for real estate in general, do you think? Real estate, you know, we, we keep getting bombarded with all this um, iBuyer, uh, Insta offers, and things like that. I don't think that's going to affect my personal business in the way that we see it as a national issue. If Anyone listening, basically what she's talking about, a lot of these companies are coming out with like the cash offer idea where they'll buy the property. Zillow mm -hmm. is uh, recently opened the doors to doing that too. And now in California and San Diego. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, of course, everyone's trying to make an investment out of it. This is my kind of two cents on it. So just imagine they're not going to pay a fair market value. Right. So. But we all have, the thing is, none of these gimmicks are new. When we, you know, we had I pay one, we had help you sell. Everything has always existed. It's just in a different form. I can call you and I yeah. can call a cash buyer today and be like, hey, I've got this house. They need to unload it and close in 10 days. We have 50 people who call us a week asking for cash off market yeah. offers. So my, I think what I see for my business is, is, is continued growth. You know, every year um, we, we help more and more families. Uh, I'm starting to realize that I need more leverage. So um, buyer's agent, uh, another admin, I'd love to grow and build uh, a smaller scale team. You know, I don't want 
20 people to be responsible for. But, you know, I'm kind of opening my, my heart up to the right fit now. So what, if someone's listening right now and they're in the San Diego area, they're looking to get into real estate, what would be that ideal like buyer's agent to come to your team? Um, somebody who's driven and relentlessly, you know, accessible to work. Um, none of this like, well, the Chargers are playing, so Sunday can't do open house. And uh, Saturday I have a quinceanera or whatever. You know, it's if you want to work hard, really work hard, and you are, you know, it's not a glamorous business, regardless of what you think is on TV. And, um, it, you know, it's cleaning toilets, it's prepping someone's house, it's taking care of a dog, it's all kinds of things. So if you are really interested in building a business for yourself, um, you like to work hard, but you are also, um, you've got a big, you would say that humility is a big part of your personality. That is somebody that I'm working, looking for. I don't want a big ego. And, and then what's the best way if someone's looking for real estate, if looking to be that buyer's agent to get in contact with you? Yeah. So the best way uh, to get a hold of me is uh, 619-796-9100. That's my cell. You can find me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash genie, uh, what is it? Genie Irish Realtor. Uh, Instagram, of course, which is now the, all the kids are on. Uh Genie underscore Irish underscore realtor uh, is kind of the best way to get a hold of me. But, you know, we'll see what 2020 brings. I'm not dying to get a, a team, but I'm definitely open to the right people. So everyone listening, we have, we're going to have the tags in the actual comment section. Um, please subscribe. Please share. Hopefully you got some great information about Jeannie. I mean, life changes. You might think you're an assistant one day, but you find out your true calling is a, a real estate agent. It sounds like, too, by meeting the right leader mm -hmm. right before yep. helped you on this path too so yep. i mean know where you are and know where you want to be yes absolutely anything last you want to say to everyone listening no i think what you're doing is is a wonderful platform to like not just share uh realtor stories but you know business owners in san diego uh you're a natural podcaster i hope people get with the program and start listening and if it, uh, i know you're not watching this right now but I, i'm blushing so <laughs> thanks, thanks everyone again for listening. Uh, please subscribe, please share, and tell your friends. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.